Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Now, it wasn't the best of all the Indiana Jones movies, The Crystal Skull, but there was this uh, scene where Indy, as you know, who hates snakes, he has his throwaway line. It comes to scorpions, the bigger the better. As I say, it's a throwaway line. The When it comes to scorpions, the bigger the better. But is it actually true? Are smaller scorpions more deadly than the larger ones? Well, that's exactly the question that Kevin Healy, lecturer in NUI Galway, uh, wanted to find out. He joins me now. Kevin, welcome to the programme. Why did you um, want to research scorpion stings in the first place? Well, um, as a zoologist, we're really interested in venoms in general. So venoms are really, really, you know, interesting in terms of a medical perspective because they're dangerous, as uh, Indy was indicating in his comment. Um, they're also interesting just from an ecologist's point of view because, well, this is how these animals get their food. So we want to know why is this thing more venomous than that thing? Uh, is it something it's eating? Is it something got to do with its ability to defend itself? Um, so there's lots of different angles of why we actually uh, wanted to answer this question. But it's also kind of interesting because it's kind of a thing that's been known for a while in general common sense, let's say. Um, in a lot of places, it is something that if you're in South Africa, for example, they will say, you know, watch out for the smaller ones. Um, and it turns out no one had actually ever tested it in a, in a kind of a statistical way. So we actually said, oh, you know, maybe we should test this and make sure this kind of common knowledge really is true. And it turns out it is. So um, before we get into the, the venom and so on, how um, much does a scorpion typically sting? And, and when they do, how many milliliters of venom typically gets inserted into the bloodstream? Well, how, how often they sting is, is a, a hard one to answer. It really, really depends on, you know, we're, we're clearly not its main target. They're not, they're not trying to attack us. We're not its prey at all. Um, their prey are usually small invertebrates, really. Um, so often, it's and so well, I guess what I mean is, yeah. is, is like, would a sting be a rare thing, or like, do they do it every day? It's, it's yeah. not, you know, like, um, like a bee, for example. Uh, in, in the global context, uh, unfortunately, no. So there's there's uh, at least probably a million envenomations a year, but really something that's underreported because a lot of these thing these things will happen in very rural areas in the in the world, um, in tropical areas, and so on. Um, and that that results the, the sort of the sort of places you don't find a lecture from anyway Galway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there's none running around in Ireland. Uh, so no snakes, no, no scorpions. We're all safe here. Um, unfortunately, it does lead to, you know, deaths in the thousands annually. So again, it, it's something we're interested in from that perspective because we, we know very little about that. Um, in terms of how much venom they, they, they um, managed to get into the bloodstream, again, hard to tell, but it is a lot smaller than, say, snakes. Um, and what that means is those deaths, unfortunately, are usually uh, associated with children more than adults because uh, you need a smaller dosage to cause uh, more medically significant symptoms uh, in those cases. So it, it's sort of um, it's sort of unlikely to kill an adult, a healthy adult. Right. And that, that's the case with almost all scorpions. If you're a healthy adult, you're unlikely to die from it. But if you're if you're a sick or if you uh, if you're uh, if you're a child, there is the potential. Yeah. to die Can yeah absolutely do- well <laughs> i would say as an adult there's a couple of species you still certainly want to avoid uh you know the, the, the very aptly named death scorpion uh, death stalker scorpion uh, across north africa the you death know, stalker scorpion. yeah 
Yeah, yeah, so that's, you, yeah, it sounds like one you want to stay away from, all right. Exactly, yeah, it's got that name for a reason. Uh, so you would definitely want to avoid a cup. There's a, there's a few species. Uh, a lot of species, yeah, it's going to be not so bad. Or the, the, So African ticktail scorpion is another one you might want to avoid as well. Again, the name ticktail, um, that's that's indicating it's got a big stinger on it. Um, so yeah, there's there, even as an adult, certainly if there's quite a few species you, you want to avoid. Can, can you, I mean, I know we're going into non-zoology now, but when you get stung, what exactly happens to the human body? Like, how does it, because you can, like, have lung failure, you can go into a coma, depending on, on the, the scorpion and the type of venom, if, uh, I understand. So, like, what is it that these venoms do to the body that cause such horrible damage? Sure, yeah. So a lot of scorpions will have neurotoxins. So again, it, it, it depends on the species that, that those venoms have different mixes, but typically a lot of scorpions will have neurotoxins. So what they would do is shut down your nervous system. So that can lead to all sorts of things because if you're shutting down your nervous system, you might go into a seizure or a shock, or it might cause respiratory problems because again, you know, you're shutting down the nervous system. That's controlling everything. And I've heard that I've heard that phrase before, shutting down the nervous system. Mm-hmm. What exactly does that mean? It, it basically it will just interrupt how your neurons are firing. So it might either stop your neurons basically communicating properly with each other. So the neurons might fire a lot more than they should or not as much as they should. And so, right. yeah, that's the kind of the shock. Your, your body doesn't know what to do effectively. So, yeah, uh, again, not a, not a very pleasant outcome. And that's something, again, we're looking into is uh, trying to collect global re- reports and records of, of the symptoms that happen with, with scorpion stings and, and how it's different in different regions. And we're trying to, again, match that up with different species in different regions. And maybe that's what's going on. But again, we don't know that much, really, uh, on that global scale. I guess one of the great things about the availability of scientific data or 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 one of the awful things is but it depends on which way you look at it is that you don't have to go and travel down the amazon uh, collecting um these scorpions and and then um measuring their venom and so on how did you go about testing this theory that smaller scorpions are more deadly sure it's interesting you bring that up because originally actually so alana ford who's the, the lead author on this and doing her masters on this was uh, hoping to go down to Morocco and, and actually collect some scorpion venoms. But then COVID came along, made travel very, very difficult. Uh, and so we actually, what we, we sat down, we thought, okay, what can we do? And the thing, as you say about science, is we have loads and loads of records that are available. It takes a bit of work to go and find them and to find the, the ones that you can validate properly. So that's what we did. We looked at all these different studies, looking at scorpions for lots of different reasons. But a lot of them have what's called a measure called a lethal dose 50, LD50. Uh, and basically what that is, is it's a measure of how potent a venom is. How much venom do you need to cause a 50% mortality rate in a 1 kg testing? So for lots of technical terms there. But what that meant was across those 36 different species of scorpions we found this value for, we could compare them and go, okay, this scorpion over here is very big. What's its LD50 value? Is it really potent or not? And then compare that to some small species over there and test our, our idea or our hypothesis. The LD50, that's used in food as well for, for you know, whether or not something's poisonous um, so that you can know how much of an ingredient you're allowed to use. Isn't that right? Like everything has an LD50, like milk Absolutely. would have an LD50, but Every like you'd have to drink a lot of milk. 
Yeah, so water has an LD50, for example. Um, I think it's something like two liters if you <laughs> instantaneously. I can't remember what the ex- exact uh, uh, number is. So every single thing out there has a toxic toxicity value, a potency value on it. So yeah, absolutely. And so um, how do they measure LD50 from a scorpion sting? I mean, is, it, is there something, is it a scientific a titration or do they look at reports of um, people who've been stung by the the scorpion and say, wow, that was really, that really hurt. <laughs> I'll put that down as an LD50. Of, no, so, so there's a very specific uh, way to do it and it's a historical way. So basically, uh, it's the same with snake venoms and other stuff as well. You get the venom, you dry it out because you're only interested in the active ingredients. Um, and then basically you inject a certain amount into a test animal. Uh, historically, these would have been no. mice. Yeah. So no, historically, Kevin. these would have been mice, but we're moving towards much better models now and trying to reduce those. So yeah, it's yeah, it's not pretty. Um, but they, so, so all of our LD50s come from basically foie grinding our mice with all sorts of things, food, um, yeah, water, yeah. Um, and, and indeed poison. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. So th- this this would have been a historical thing. So a lot of these values that we get would be actually relatively old. What we can do a lot better now is we can take, so for example, if you're interested in the blood clotting abilities of a venom or something like that, you can get blood and see how much it clots, comes up. So there, right. we, we are developing better models to try and be um, more ethical. What did you do in your study then? How did you go about getting everything together and what did you find? So, uh, as I said, uh, Alana, who was the uh, lead author on this, she went and did a lot of diving through the literature, trying to find as many of these LD50 values for as many scorpions as possible, and then to get these images so that we can get a measure of their size So uh, and also how big their claws are. So once you have all this data together, you can basically do some statistical modeling that I, I won't get into because I'm sure it'll put everyone to sleep um, that basically tests whether these differences are real or, or by chance, right? So we could basically go, yeah, these are actually real uh, patterns that we're seeing. And the patterns we specifically looked at are, do bigger scorpions have a higher LD50? That means do you need more venom from them to cause more death, basically, or, or do they have a, a more potent venom? And then we also, and we found that, yeah, bigger scorpions, their their LD50s are really, really high. Um, so they're not. So a big scorpion not going to cause you too much trouble. Yeah, well, most of them. There are still some big scorpions that are that can still be dangerous as well. So I would will say that. Uh, but the general pattern is the bigger they are, the, the less potent their venom. Um, and then we also looked at their their uh, pincers, so basically their claws, and how big they are. So the other question we kind of had was. Scorpions with big claws have less potent venom because they don't really need a strong venom if you've got big claws to capture your prey or defend yourself against. So we were able to do kind of a measure of that by how basically chunky their claws are. We had this ratio. And we found that the scorpions with big chunky claws, independent of how big or small their actual body size were, they had less potent venoms as well because they were able to rely on that. Well, the other scorpions that had these long, skinny, slender uh, uh, claws, they had much more potent venom. So, for example, that's got that that death stalker scorpion I mentioned that has kind of relatively slender claws in comparison to some uh, other species um, like the rock rock scorpions, which are actually usually big. They've got huge, big claws. They don't need that potent venom. So we were able to show that as well. 
Um, I, I, are you hypothesizing that there is some sort of evolutionary trade-off in the ability to, to sort of concentrate this venom versus the, um, the, the energy needed to sort of support larger claws? Is that a, is that a theory? Yeah, absolutely. So what, what we expected going into, into this was if you're an animal, if you've a certain amount of energy, often you'll find a trade-off. You can either make bigger claws, that's going to take energy and so on, or you can make stronger, more potent venoms because venoms are, are, are metabolically expensive as well. They take energy. Um, you have to produce it. And then when you use it, you have to produce it again. So there's a cost to that too. So we kind of expected that it's kind of, you don't want to try and be a jack of all trades. You could either basically put all that energy into having a strong venom or put all that energy into having really big claws uh, or to a lesser degree, you know, to more or less degree. And that's what we found. So yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was very neat to find that as well. And, and actually that's another thing that you find in kind of this common knowledge in, in communities where there are these uh, endangered scorpions where they'll say, don't worry about the things with the big claws, worry for, worry about the things with the big tails. They're the ones that are more likely to be more dangerous. Yeah, th- th- there is a lot of wisdom in old wives' tales sometimes. Uh, and it's only after much later we realize, oh, actually, there is a reason why this has been handed down from um, mother to, to uh, daughter, uh, daughter to daughter, daughter to son and so on. Um, what can we use this for? I mean, it, it's, it's great to see that correlation. We now understand a little bit more about... Um, about the venom of these scorpions, but um, is this useful? This information at all? Yeah. So uh, from the start, I suppose uh, it, it it helps to put some more support behind that common knowledge, right? So we often have all these common things, all co- common sense, we call it. And you know, sometimes it's actually not as accurate as we like it might like it to be. So it's nice to kind of go like, yeah, look, this stuff, this all, this all, you know, pans out statistically, and that's really that's really nice to show that. Um, so. That's useful because if you're stung by something, often you don't know exactly what species it is. So to have at least some idea of, okay, had a big tail, that helps if you're getting treatment of whether you need, you know, antivenom or something like that, you know, so how, how, what exact treatment do you need? So it's helpful from, from that, helpful from that perspective. Um, it's also kind of helpful from the wider perspective of just trying to answer the question of why is this thing more venomous than that thing? That, that kind of fundamental knowledge effectively so going forward what we kind of want to do is try and match up these types of patterns to what we see globally of where there is a lot of uh, mortality or bad medical outcomes with scorpion stings as well so trying to trying to match all this fundamental stuff up to you know actual uh, medical patterns that we see too well kevin healy lecturer in zoology at NUI galway thanks very much thank you Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.